0: All right, let's talk about languishing. For the last few months, I have been telling my husband over and over that I just feel blah. And as someone who's usually good at understanding why they feel a certain way and being able to verbalize it, I have not been able to verbalize it. And I have not been able to understand why I've been feeling this way. Like, what is it that's making me feel blah? Anytime that I've talked about feeling this way on Instagram, people have shown up in my DMs saying that they totally relate and they feel the exact same way and don't know why. I mean, I think we all kind of understand that the last year and living through this pandemic and how that's changed our day to day lives has something to do with it. But it's hard when there's not one single thing that you can pinpoint, because then you can't change things to make it better, if that makes sense. Like if you know, if I'm in a fight with my sister and it's making me feel really upset, I know what can make me feel better. I would resolve any issue that I have with my sister, have a conversation with her, whatever it might be. But this languishing feeling is like you can't really put a finger on why you feel this way. So many of you sent me this article that was written by Adam Grant. So he is a organizational psychologist. He's often, well, I think a few times he's been on armchair expert with Dax Shepard such great episodes highly recommend listening to them he's such a great speaker but anyways he had this article in the new york times that was all about languishing and how so many of us are feeling this way and he explains what exactly that is and some ways that you can get out of feeling that way it's so funny to me because i often explain it as feeling blah because i don't know how else to verbalize it and that is literally in the title of this article so it's called there's a name for the blah you're feeling it's called languishing he describes it as being a dominant emotion of 2021 and it's interesting because they talk a lot about how when the pandemic first started and it was all over the news and we were On this super high alert mode, almost like adrenaline was kicking in and we were like wiping down all our groceries and doing everything we could to, you know, follow the guidelines and stay safe. And that has kind of worn off now and it's more so he describes it as dulling our motivation and focus. And it's not that we're not staying safe now and we don't care about the guidelines. It's more so that they have just become a regular part of our everyday life. So we're not so much thinking about them anymore. It's just how we're living our life now. Like every time I get into the car, I'm using hand sanitizer without even thinking about it. Whereas before, all these little changes to how we live our everyday life was a noticeable thing and it was a novel thing. So we were constantly thinking about it and it was more of not exciting, but it was just we were in that fight or flight mode and now it's just exactly what they describe it as. It's very blah. It's interesting because they talk about how it can dull your motivation and your focus and this languishing feeling makes it difficult to concentrate. And I have found that to be very true because one of the things that I've really wanted to work on in 2021 was writing a book. And I started it in 2020. I have all my ideas there. It's just I cannot, for the life of me, sit down and focus. And so all the other things that I do are very you know, short little tasks here and there, it's emails, it's posting on Instagram, it's making a TikTok, it's doing this podcast, it's talking with people for the podcast meetings. Those are very, like your attention is all over the place. Whereas writing a book is very much a focused, quiet thing that you need to concentrate on. And I am struggling with that where before I never had issues concentrating or focusing on a task. He also mentions in this article that it's not that people are burnt out, although some people may be burnt out depending on your situation. You could have both, I'm sure. But languishing is more of like the motivation part of it. So it's not like for me, especially, it's not that I'm tired throughout the day. It's that I don't have motivation to do things that I normally would. So he talks a lot about people having that feeling when it comes to their work. But for me, it was flipped. I'm super focused and motivated to do work stuff, but I am not motivated to do stuff like Physical activity, moving my body, like doing yoga regularly or eating healthy, focusing on getting nutrition into my body. And that is, for me, something that I've always done. And this past year, it has just completely gone out the window. A good example of that is, you know, over a year ago before this all started, when Milo would go to bed around 7 p.m., 7.30, I would still live my life i would be physically active i would go to a yoga class i would do something productive at that time i was probably working on finishing my phd doing something i would write a blog post whatever it was now that's not at all the case when he goes to bed at 7 or 7 30 i just want to sit on the couch and do nothing sometimes i'll write an instagram post but i really I just want to sit there and do nothing and it sucks. Even reading a book. That does not take much physical energy at all, but even mentally. Like I don't have the motivation to sit there and read a book, which is so sad because that is something that I really enjoy and it's also something that is helpful for myself. I used to read a lot of like not self-help books, but thing that I things that I found interesting that I could, you know, reflect on my own life and make changes in my life. And just getting inspired by books that i read and whether it could be information that they share that i then relate to my own life and make changes or write a blog post about it was something that i really enjoyed doing that i just have not done at all i remember when milo was a baby I would go to a yoga class after he went to bed, like drive to the yoga studio and go do a yoga class and come home at like 8.30, 9 p.m. at night, shower, relax, and go to bed. I cannot even fathom doing that right now. Something else that I always say to my husband is that throughout this pandemic, even more so the part of the pandemic where Milo was back in daycare, it's just feeling like Groundhog Day every single day. I wake up, we get him ready, I drive him to school, I come home, I do work, I go pick him up, I come back, we have dinner, we play a little bit or watch a show, and then we do bath, bedtime, put him to bed, go downstairs, sit on the couch, do nothing, go to bed, wake up and repeat the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. And like, there's nothing on the calendar to break that up. It's not like, oh, on Saturday afternoon, we're going to go visit this person and Milo's going to play with their daughter and we're going to have a barbecue and maybe we'll stop at, you know, the store on the way home and take them shopping. Like there's nothing to break it up. And not only is there nothing to break it up, but there's also nothing in the calendar to look forward to. I mean, I look forward to doing my podcast with people. I get to meet really cool people online. And that is like a lifesaver for me because otherwise I would just be at home doing nothing and so I'm really lucky that I have all this work stuff to focus on but there's nothing in the calendar that's like oh we get to go to Sudbury this weekend I mean I'm I'm assuming most people don't have Sudbury as something exciting in their calendar but for me that's where all my family is and I would always have you know trips planned out to go to Sudbury, go to North Bay, go to my parents' cottage, whatever it might be. Or we would go out to Vancouver to visit my husband's parents or they would be coming here. Like there's nothing in the calendar, nothing. And it doesn't seem like a big deal when you say it out loud. It's like, okay, big deal. But I think this is why this languishing feeling is hard to pinpoint because it's these things that don't seem like they should be a big deal. But when you've been living it for over a year, like that adds up. Not being able to go visit family, go visit friends, go out for lunches, do things that are very little things, but that you used to get to do very regularly and enjoy. They're gone. Like for me, I miss going to chapters, which is like our big bookstore here and just walking around looking at books. Is that ever going to come back and feel normal to walk into a, sto- a store, get a latte or a coffee and walk around and pick up books and look at them, then put them back? Is that ever going to be a thing anymore? Like, I don't know. So they describe languishing as the neglected middle child of mental health because you have the two extremes on each side of the spectrum. So it's like depression on the low end and then absolute... Thriving on the other end and languishing is right in the middle. It's not that you're suffering with obvious or serious mental health issues. You're just not thriving. You're not what you used to be. You're not motivated. You're not, you know, excited for each day. It's just a different feeling. And blah is perfect description they mention how part of the danger of languishing is that you don't notice it right away so this is what happened to me it's like All of a sudden, I started to think about it and I was like, why do I feel this way? What is different? And then I started to notice, oh, yeah, I'm not moving anymore. I don't go for long walks like I used to. I don't like sit and read a book just for enjoyment and interest. I'm not uh, focusing on what I'm eating or trying to eat healthy anymore anymore. I'm I just completely I'm not taking my vitamins anymore like very little things that all add up and it's like why aren't you doing this stuff anymore and that is exactly why it's like all of a sudden I found myself in this place my hips were constantly aching because I literally just sat in a chair and did work all day something that it says that I really relate to is that you don't seek help or even do much to help yourself. And that is exactly me. Like I was in pain, my shoulders, my neck are in pain, my hips are constantly aching, and it's like, do something. But I just wouldn't. I would not. The only thing I would do sometimes is stretch while we were watching TV when Milo went down. Um, Another thing is, even though my husband and I are probably physically together more because we can't go anywhere it just hasn't been the same because milo goes to bed and it's like okay we're gonna sit here and do nothing again and a lot of the time we're both on our phones or he's checking emails doing work stuff and i'm like writing an instagram caption or whatever i'm doing podcast stuff and so we don't sit there and actually connect as much as we used to And again, it just kind of slowly turned into this and I started to notice like we're spending a few hours together every single night before we go to bed and we're not really connecting verbally or physically or anything. We're just kind of existing. So I will tell you some things that they mention in the article that can help with this feeling. And then I will go into things that I am specifically doing and making an effort to do since. And I mean, I'm not an expert on this, but I've been making changes in the last couple weeks. So I will share those as well. So the first thing they mentioned in this article, which I will link in the episode notes, is having flow. So what they mean by that is becoming immersed in a project or a show for me I watch Real Housewives I started right now I'm on Real Housewives of New Jersey Um, I have since Milo was born this has been my I don't want to call it self-care but this is where I recharge my batteries every night I watch reality TV on my phone in the dark in my room for at least a half hour before I turn on my sound machine and go to bed I look forward to this time of day all day it's like recharge my batteries mindless entertainment i don't think about anything else The little spoon plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right, the quality is unmatched, you are going to love it, and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge... Huge win for your family. Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. so by flow they just mean to become immersed in something and focused on that thing so whether that's like a game that you play or a TV show or a project you're working on. And they talk a lot about fragmented attention, which is something that I struggle with right now because I'm all over the place. I'm checking email one second, then I'm editing a podcast another second, and then I'm recording an ad. Then I'm, you know, wanting to make dinner. It's like I'm bouncing all over the place instead of being focused and finishing tasks um, throughout the day. So something that I am looking forward to is reading a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. So it is a proven way to build good habits and break bad ones. This book came highly recommended by my friend who reads a shit ton of books. So I'm really looking forward to reading it. Of course, I will keep you posted on what I learn from this book, but it's all about making small, tiny changes in your everyday life that eventually form into habits that you're doing regularly. So yeah, evidence-based self-improvement strategies. So it helps you design habits that work for you rather than against you. Super looking forward to that and it will help me stay focused, I'm sure. So yes, flow becoming immersed in something and not bouncing around on a million different things throughout the day. Something else that I'm doing to help me with exactly this is either the night before or in the morning, I will make a short list of things that are priorities for that day. Even if it's a small thing like emailing someone back, I make a list of the little things. And then throughout the day, as I finish these tasks, I check them off. And it's just a way to keep me on track and not getting distracted. Something else they talk about in this article is giving yourself uninterrupted time. I never used to do this. And now, a few weeks ago, I decided, you know what? Every single Thursday between 9 a.m. and noon, I am turning off my Wi-Fi, turning off my phone, and I'm sitting and focusing on writing this book that I want to write. Instead of just trying to fit it in here and there when I can, I like to have this exact time, the same time every single week scheduled out. It's physically in my calendar so that I know not to book other things during that time. And I just sit and I focus and I think about the book. I write the book. I plan it out, whatever it might be. So uninterrupted time is huge. Then they talk about small goals. So this is similar to me having my list of even the tiniest tasks laid out so that you feel a sense of accomplishment as you're finishing these tasks. And I know for me, I have so many things that... It's like a weight on my shoulders, even though they're small, tiny little things. But I just let them go, let them go, let them go, procrastinate, don't do them. And it could be something like there's a smudge on the wall in the stairwell. And like this is true, like dead ass. There's a smudge on the wall in the stairwell that I just ignore. And it's like one day that will be on my list of things to do, like go clean that friggin wall. And when I do clean that wall, it will be a sense of accomplishment. And I'll be like, yeah, I have been wanting to clean that wall for months. Why I haven't done it, I don't know. It's because I'm languishing. Some other things that I started doing is I know my good friend Jen works out regularly. So I asked her to start doing Zoom workouts with her. Um, She usually works out in the really early morning, which is not ideal for me because I get I feel so sick in the morning, like early, early morning. She works out at 5 a.m. We did a workout the other day at 6 and I almost puked. So we worked out on Saturday. We're going to do some evenings. I might do a couple mornings with her here and there but I'm also making sure that on days where I don't have a scheduled zoom workout with Jen, that I am still moving and doing something. So on Friday, even though I was insanely sore, I did a short yoga video on YouTube, Adrienne with yoga. She has a ton. Um, Today, I'm going to go for about an hour long walk. I'm going to time myself. uh, And then throughout the week, I'll also do my workouts with her, which are a little bit more intense. Moving for me is so important and I already see an improvement in my hips like I'm sore from doing muscle work which is great like I don't mind that kind of sore but I was getting throbbing hips throbbing like back and neck pain just because of the posture that I'm sitting in all day doing work. So to kind of balance that with movement is that's where it's at for me for sure. And naturally, once I start moving and focusing on being physically active, I want to start eating better. So I'm focusing on getting more nutrition in my body. Um, it's not to say that I'm not going to eat things that are not, you know, labeled healthy, but it's just focusing on getting more good things in my body, whether that's in the form of supplements, vitamins, fruits, vegetables hemp seeds, chia seeds, like all, anytime I can pack in a little bit more nutritional value into what I'm eating, I'm going to try and do that. That was one of my big things with languishing is that I was not at all motivated to focus on nutrition or spend any amount of time trying to get nutritious things in my body. I ran out of my multivitamin so long ago and I didn't even replace it because I was just like eh, like I don't care whatever. I think that's like the definition of languishing. So now like this morning, I didn't just quickly warm up oatmeal and eat it. I made it a point to put chia seeds in, hemp hearts in, a shit ton of raspberries because I want to feel better. I want to be eating better and i feel like the two and two like movement physical activity and eating better just kind of go hand in hand and once you start doing one the other one becomes easier i made finally my coleslaw that i've been talking about for the last week i made it sunday and it took me probably almost an hour and i have terrible knife skills i need to take a class on how to properly cut things so like my coleslaw is never as desirable looking as it looks like when people who know how to use a knife do it because their everything is sliced so thinly and so beautifully, whereas mine is just absolute chaos. But it is jam packed with nutrition. As I was making it, I filmed a TikTok, so I need to get that out because I know a lot of you are like, show me what's in this coleslaw. So that is coming soon. It'll probably be on my uh, Instagram by the time this episode airs. Again, something else that I am doing to fight this languishing feeling is reading for myself. So we had the book club going for a long time. I think it's kind of fizzling out because not too many people were very engaged with it. And it is quite a lot of work to do and keep up. So I decided to order some books the other day just for myself. Like I used to read all the time. And before it was mostly for school. So I didn't have much free time to just read out of self-interest, like stuff that I wanted to read. But now I do have that time. So I need to... Take the time to read and not just bury my head in work and, you know, things that are not necessarily specifically for me. Like work is for me, but you know what I'm saying? Like I need to also spend some time on myself and doing things that are bettering myself, like reading Atomic Habits, for example, or reading, I just bought Claudia Oshry's book because... Like, I think it's going to be super entertaining and a good read. So I I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to buy it and I'm going to read this book for fun. Like what a concept, what a concept. So I have started, you know, even if it's in the evenings, while Milo's playing and if like my husband is home I'll like get in a couple pages just sitting on the couch and read or I'll go to bed a little bit earlier and read for a half hour or during the day if I have the afternoon off and I don't have any meetings or anything scheduled I will tell myself okay you're gonna sit here and you're gonna read your book for 30 minutes and then I do it and I never regret it. Lastly, and this is going to sound so funny, something that my husband and I are doing in the evenings Just to connect somewhat is we started watching a show together. We started watching Shit's Creek because what happens is neither of us are really interested in what the other person wants to watch except for Sunday nights because we watch 90 Day Fiance and we both enjoy that. But every other night it's kind of like he has basketball on or I want to watch like Summer House and we just don't connect with a show so one of us is on our phone or checking emails because we're just not interested so we found Schitt's Creek we both are really enjoying it I think we're on episode five or six and uh, just of the first season Oops, hit the microphone. And um, yeah, it's just neither of us are on our phones. We put them away. If my husband picks up his phone, I'm like, you're supposed to be watching this show with me. And just the fact that you and the person are focused on the same show just gives me like a little bit of connection. Some nights we'll both have a glass of wine. We'll be, you know, laying next to each other, whatever it is. It's like, okay, we're doing something together. It's that feeling of doing something together, even though it's watching a show. That's why I said it sounds funny, but it makes a big difference compared to, you know, him kind of watching basketball, but on his computer shopping and I'm, you know, on Instagram. It's just, it's a nice change. So that is also something that we have started doing. And now I am going to get into the very first segment of Ask Renee. Given that it is Mental Health Awareness Month, the month of May, uh, I thought this was a really great question from a listener that I could dive into a little bit and also offer a bunch of resources in the episode notes for anyone else who finds themselves in a similar situation. So just as a little recap, the Ask Renee segment is going to be where listeners uh, send in Questions. It can be, you know, you're going through something in your personal life and you just kind of want advice or you want to know how I would navigate something like that. Um, Or it can be a question, something like I got today, which is a great question, but it's also more generalizable and everyone will find value in the answer and not just one person. So it's not really a specific to that person. Um, It's kind of like advice that I would give to everybody. So someone wrote in saying, I'm not sure if I had postpartum depression. My baby is now 15 months old and I'm ashamed to ask for help because I'm assuming they didn't write this, but I'm assuming they're ashamed to ask for help now because her baby is 15 months old and maybe she feels like postpartum depression is something that's only going to happen or that you can only get help for if it's directly after you give birth or within the first few weeks. Full disclosure, I am not a clinician that deals with postpartum depression in particular, but I am a huge advocate and love bringing awareness to mental health in postpartum. So what I can say is that mental health issues in the postpartum period are extremely common. Whether that is depression, so a low mood, or anxiety, which can show up in all kinds of different ways, like uncontrollable crying or rage, frustration, irritability, there are past episodes that get into the nitty gritty details of some of these topics. So I will list these in the episode notes as well. Some episodes that you do not want to miss are Self-Compassion in Motherhood with Dr. Angel Montfort. That's episode 83. Rage in Motherhood. This was a really popular episode. So we talk about what rage is, why it happens, how can we cope, and that is with Jen Reddish. That is episode 81. If you want advice specifically with regard to your romantic relationship and how these issues like low mood or anxiety may be affecting your relationship... Definitely take a listen to episode 67. It is Resentment and Rebuilding Connection with your partner with Dr. Tracy Dalgleish. And episode 41 is Anxiety and OCD in Pregnancy and Motherhood with Jenna Overbaugh. Highly recommend those episodes if you haven't already listened to them. I don't have an episode that is specifically about postpartum depression but you can bet your ass that now I'm going to find a professional that specializes in that area and have them on to really get into the details of postpartum depression my biggest piece of advice is to talk about this with somebody else so whether that means starting with a friend that you trust and that you feel you can open up to maybe it's a parent maybe it's your partner maybe it's a physician um, I know for me, I when I was experiencing really bad postpartum anxiety, I told my husband and my family right away, and even just verbalizing it was a weight lifted off my shoulders. A lot of people talk about baby blues, and I hate that term because I think it really minimizes what women are going through, just like everything else. You know, we just throw around terms like miscarriage and C-section, and it doesn't really describe the intensity of what is happening. So I don't like the term baby blues, but baby blues is what happens within the first two weeks after having a baby, It's totally normal. Our hormones are all over the place. We are anxious. We have this new little baby to take care of. We're usually sleep deprived. Um, We're healing from a physical trauma that is childbirth. Very normal. And so I remember when I went into my physician and told her about my anxiety, I was uncontrollably crying every single evening as soon as the sun would start to go down. She told me that What you're experiencing is totally normal. I think some people experience it in an anxiety and then some people will experience it in more of a low mood. And I tend to be an anxious person, so I'm not surprised that it came out in me as anxiety. But after those two weeks, if it's not, you know, you're not back at your baseline normal um, mood, then you might want to start looking into potentially postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety and getting properly screened and seeking help. Of course, if in those first two weeks your symptoms are severe, you would also want to speak to someone. And the good thing about having a baby is that usually you're having regular appointments with a physician or a midwife during those first two weeks because they're checking up on the baby. So definitely talk to them during those appointments and they will guide you on what to do. So if these symptoms are still hanging around or maybe they've gotten worse later in your postpartum journey, so this listener said, Said her baby was 15 months old it's really not uncommon for it to continue that long. I have heard countless stories from countless moms who are still struggling with some kind of mental health issue later on in postpartum. And it's interesting because we always hear about these big life events that can cause major issues when it comes to someone's mental health. So whether that be getting a divorce or like a serious illness, the passing away of a loved one, but Guys, having a child, giving birth, becoming a mom, this is a huge life event. And I know that in the media and on social media, people don't want it to appear like it's a big event, but it's a big fucking deal. And so if you are not feeling like yourself, if you find that you're having low mood, if you feel like you're depressed, if your anxiety is much greater than it usually would be, It is to be expected and you deserve to get help. You deserve to speak to someone. You deserve to be happy and work through whatever is going on. Like you're worth it. And you, I think we all strive to be this amazing mom, but if you're not filling your cup, if you're not feeling like your best self, then how can you best take care of your children, right? Like we need to really make ourselves a priority. And if I had to choose one area of our lives to really focus on and put effort into making it the best as possible, it would be our mental health because that is going to affect everything else that we do. And I want to say, if you are not feeling like yourself and you make a doctor's appointment and you, you know, muster up the courage to go and be vulnerable and say that you're having difficulty with whether it be depression or anxiety, and they don't respond in a way that you want them to, like they don't think that you need help. They don't offer you a screening tool to see, you know, if you meet certain criteria for postpartum depression or anxiety, then you go and you ask to see somebody else. There is nothing more frustrating to me than when someone finally makes the decision to get help for themselves and reaches out to a physician or a counselor or whatever it may be, and the person is hesitant to give them help or does not validate what they're going through and makes them feel like they wasted their time. Like that is completely unacceptable, and you need to go find somebody else. I know that I have had so many people on the podcast who work specifically in perinatal and postpartum, um, like mental health issues, especially now with so many people working virtually, it's a great time to reach out and ask for help. All right, I wanted to get into a few resources. Again, I'm going to uh, put these in the episode notes. I do want to say thank you so much to that listener who wrote in. I am going to message them back directly on Instagram as well, but I really hope my answer gave you some kind of insight and made you feel like you're worth going to get help for yourself. Okay, so the first book I would like to give you as a resource is called When the Baby Brings the Blues by Dr. Ariel Dalphin. This has come highly recommended by one of my friends who is a clinical psychologist and did a residency in a postpartum um, mental health clinic. The second book is The Pregnancy and Postpartum Anxiety Workbook. So this offers practical skills to help you overcome anxiety, worry, panic attacks, obsessions, and compulsions. And bear with me as I say the author's names. It is Pamela S. Weigartz and Kevin L. Giorco, Giorco, sorry. There is also an amazing international website that you can look for resources um, or people to talk to. It is Postpartum Support International. So that link is also in the episode notes. And lastly, if you're looking for a screening scale, there is the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale. Uh, You can click on that link in the episode notes and take the self-report test if you wish. I was always shocked that, you know, they will screen for postpartum depression. Sometimes the screening tools that they're using are not validated. They're not, you know, the best tools that they could be using, which is frustrating. So this Edinburgh uh, scale is one of the best. And it also frustrates me that they don't screen for postpartum anxiety, really. Um, yeah, because that is really common, which I did not know until I experienced it and started looking into it. Um, but yeah, so I hope these resources are helpful to someone out there who is listening. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this is a conversation that I want to keep happening with, you know, the conversation of motherhood and mental health, of course. Um, new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday now. So the Tuesday episodes are the longer episodes with a guest and then the Thursday episodes are my solo episodes. If you have a question that you want me to answer on an Ask Renee segment, please send it in to the podcast account, which is at The Mom Room Podcast. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are listening. That is how the show grows, and we are going to take over the world one day, aren't we? Guys, I have merch coming out soon that I am insanely excited for. I'm trying to get it out before summertime so that we can all just be wearing really oversized t-shirts and bicycle shorts. Are you with me on that? I hope so. Again, thank you for listening and I will catch you on Tuesday with the next episode. Oh yeah, and I hope your children sleep tonight. Ha ha ha.